Hi, this is Richard. Richard, this is Mark. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Let me just give a shout out to my B and D guest, and I'm going on a phone call. All right. For a few months, Richard Cardillo and I found time to talk on the phone every week. He's a busy guy. He's an educator, a storyteller. That's how we met initially. I was on stage telling a story about how old foreign men approach me in public. He came up and said, that was great in this wheezy, guffawed laugh. I'd say we're friends now. On these calls, I mostly hung back and listened to Richard talk about his dating life. So you, you've got a date coming up. I do, on Wednesday morning. It's a morning date. He's like a very mild-mannered guy from Nutley, New Jersey. Hmm. It'll be coffee or breakfast or something like that. And he's exactly my age. He's 60 years old. Sometimes I think the only reason I have a show is just to archive things I love. Like Richard's laugh. (laughs) God, that guy laughs. But the real reason I started these phone calls with Richard was to document what it was like to look for love in your 60s. I consistently say to people, I want to be partnered. I want to be in a romantic relationship. I don't think my relational life is over at the age of 60. And you are going to hear that. But also, I just really like talking to Richard. It's been decades since I'd gotten on the phone and talked for hours with a friend about who we liked, what they said, what we said, what we're going to wear. And I didn't know I missed it. Even if dating prep has changed since we were teens. Don't leave this house without clipping your nose hairs and shaving the backs of your ears, Richard, because you're now a hairy old man. (laughs) (laughs) Is that your new friend you're talking to on the telephone? This is Mark Bagan, and you're listening to Other Men Need. When Richard turned 60, he baked a lot of bread and threw a party in his courtyard. Stay little, stay a lot, it doesn't matter. You introduce yourself. There are a bunch of chef hats and an apron. Guess what? Some sort of coffee cake that has, I don't know, but it's amazing. Um, He made a, a butter rum. His sisters were there. I'm the baby girl, there's one more son. So, is this all? <laughs> his best friend, Joe. If I just see him walking towards me, I'll just start laughing because he's just, he's a bundle of laughs. He really is. He's just so hysterical. There were even dudes from the block. I gotta go feed the two guys on the corner. Oh, Richard, you're a saint. Richard, catch your breath. You're 60 years old, for Christ's sake. I'm gonna. Oh, I'm sitting for a bit. What the hell? Richard's got a pretty wild biography. Before Richard came out, he led a monastic life with the Catholic Church for about 14 years. 
there was this call from the Catholic Church that any congregation of men, women, priests, brothers, nuns, send 10% of their staffing to a foreign country to do missionary work. And that's how I ended up doing it. I raised my hand. I was really, really convinced that the reason I should do this is there was no possible way there was anything like homosexuality in the Latin American country of Peru. Well, <laughs> he stayed celibate for years until he met a handsome Peruvian named Gustavo. And I mean, come on, if you're going to lose your religion, Gustavo sounds like the guy you should do it for. And we started fooling around with each other. And I loved it. It felt so good. And I knew I was breaking my vow. He was the beginning of the change for me of finally saying, I cannot live this way. So I finally made the decision, it's time to come back to the United States of America. All the rituals most of us experience as teens and young adults, the courting, the dating, hooking up, screwing up, Richard was about to go through for the first time in his 30s. In 1990s, New York City. When I came back into the 90s world of gay New York, granted AIDS was still on the horizon. Plague! We are in the middle of a plague! 40 million infected people in the plague! But I just couldn't find my niche. I was not a Chelsea gay. I wasn't a Fire Island gay. I wasn't a preppy gay. Certainly wasn't a gym rat gay, and I didn't feel like I had a home. And that weighed on me right at the beginning. I didn't know how to exercise my gayness in an open manner because I just didn't feel I fit in in the gay community. I felt very much an outcast, a pariah almost. That you missed the boat, Richard. You missed the boat. But after some misstarts, hookups, and romances that went nowhere, he met the someone that became his someone. I went to a real sleazy bar on the west side of Manhattan when the piers were still there called The Spike, and I met Peter. And he was like this touchstone for me. He was my first boyfriend, and we ended up being together for 18 years. I mean, that's, that to me is like the touchstone of everything I want my life to be about now, that it did turn around. And he was patient with me. I did let him know. I'm very new to this. I came out of the closet late. I was in a monastery. And he let me know, listen, I'm kind of have this internalized homophobia after being kicked out by my family too. And I'm just getting over that. He had lost two partners to AIDS already. So he was ready to take another chance on love, take a chance on life. By the third year, he was like, is this, do we hang out? To, is this going to stay or should I just move on? I'm like, no, I love you very much. I just don't know if I can move in. I, you know, I'm just so new to being gay. And he said, the building's going condo. And anybody who lives here right now and wants to buy is going to get 50% off the going price. I don't have enough. You don't have enough alone. Together we could do it. Will you please buy this apartment with me? And that's when I knew I was homosexual. <laughs> that's when I knew I, this was real estate. So we bought it. We bought this place. And I moved right in. The area around it has changed a lot. But Richard is still in this apartment. 
I mean, there's other pictures of him all around. God, he is handsome. He was extremely, extremely handsome. He had this beautiful hair. And about after five years of being together, he was very sheepishly admitting to me that he colored his hair. But it came with a request. Could you please be my colorist? So I friggin' put on those gloves and did the Lady Claire roll at the sink every eight weeks for him just to get those roots going. He's kind of got, at least in that picture, he's kind of got like a young James Spader look to him. Yes! James Spader, he had a cross between James Spader, James Taylor, and then he also had this real down-home country kind of thing because he had that southern drawl, which I never learned how to imitate, but he had it. You know, when he died, I finally had to put together all of these pictures and send them to family and all. That was the year before he died. We went to Italy. That was July of 2011. He died in August of 2012. That was his picture on the card. <laughs> that was us sitting on the back porch. He was a gardener, so he would... I don't know if I'd say Richard day. was beaming when he talked about Peter. Actually, yeah, he was beaming. I remember this guy who I was talking to, and he said, you know, when you say you love someone and they die, that's kind of like the price that you paid, that it was wonderful, and you have to live your life without this man, though, but you had those years. It's so funny. I'm coming up on the sixth anniversary of Peter's death in August, and you do get over the grief. You get over that. And then there's a sense that I just don't, still don't feel complete. According to Richard, after six years, he's ready for something serious. I don't see myself as a six-year-old man still. I feel like I had a late start. I feel like, well, if you started at 35, when most people started at 16, technically take 15 years off of that. So really, you're only 45, Richard. I mean, that doesn't work. I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to date. I want to see if I could have a deep relationship with another person. Could we take a look at some of the guys on OkCupid? Yes, absolutely. I can't do it without my glasses. So these are the people showing up. I have written this guy who is a 97% match four or five times, and he has never responded to me. Sid from Oceanside. He just wrote me hello. That's all he wrote. <laughs> Kenny from the Bronx. Good looking guy. What's your best physical attribute? Two things. My eyes and my smile. <laughs> my best physical attribute who used to be my ass and I lost it. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> so I'll settle for eyes and smile. <laughs> <laughs> What, how often are you going on dates, and, and also how are you going about it? I'm not going on more than like a date a month now, and I'm trying. I'll reach out to people, but it, it's just few and far between now. It's really, really getting harder. I'm not giving up, though. I'm not. And during the summer of 2018, these were like the only phone calls I picked up or made. We talked it all out. Like, how he felt about his looks. The last couple of months, I have not been exercising much, so my gut is back, and I'm a little conscious of that. We talked about the characters you end up sitting across the table from. He talked an awful lot about his mother. Okay. <laughs> so that was a little bit of a red flag for him. And he looked at me and said, well, Richard, it was great meeting you. And he walked out, I'm like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> I'm like, I think this date is over. 
this is not the one, this is not the one, this is not the one. He's a smoker. Mark, I don't know about that. I don't know about Richard, but these phone calls where we chat about dating, it was a big highlight of my summer. But I'm not the go-to for Richard. You remember his best friend Joe from the party? Richard, catch your breath. You're 60 years old, for Christ's sake. Joe and Richard have been friends basically since Richard's lived in New York. We met uh, because we were both dating the same guy, unbeknownst to either one of us. He was a little bit more reserved when we first met, I think, and still trying to figure stuff out. But he's, uh, you know, he's already experienced love, deep, deep love and, and loss. And they talk just about every day. I'll call him up and say, you know, I'm walking behind someone on the street right now. This is what he's wearing, you know, kind of thing. And we'll just make a joke and start laughing. Or uh, he'll call and just say, you know, I've had the worst phone call from my boss or whatever. And, well, let's talk it through. What do you think is going on and whatever. And it usually ends up with, ah, fuck him. <laughs> we both say that we're middle-aged because we're going to live over 100, which is really kind of funny. The truth of the matter is we're both in our in our last third of life, so there's a lot of re reflection. I've been HIV positive since 1992, uh, so that's something he always reminds me of is, you know, you're still here, and I throw it right back at him, well, you're still here too, so I guess we're doing all right, you know. And it felt very special to be able to document what happened next. In the midst of a week that has been hellish, I had this really, really hopeful date. He's 70 years old, and he's a good, really nice guy. What makes His name it, okay. is Joel. Joel or Joe? Joel. Okay. And what, what constitutes being a really nice guy? Just, he was really intent on what I was saying. He listened so well. He laughed at all of my jokes. And, of course, Richard went and talked to Joe about it. You've been, you've been part of that ride. I couldn't wait I to hear his feedback. He is a widower, widower as well. His partner died in 2015, so he's been a widower for three years. The first thing that hit me is this guy was in a relationship with the same man for 34 years. So he knows the ins and outs. You don't have to be afraid to talk about your dead partners now because you both have that shared experience and it's not going to be only about that it's going to be about how it brought you to the present situation and how nice it is to connect with somebody who has that understanding in, in fact he's so forthcoming of the things that he's told me about himself and we had an insider joke the first the first date i mean it was so funny we were just getting ready to finish up he said i just gotta know what do you want me to call you rich or richard I want you to call me Vanessa. <laughs> so we fucking howled. We just laughed over it. So when he texted me, he said, I feel like I've known you for so long. I'd like to do this again. I said, I'm right behind you. You know, I went right back to him with the text. I felt like a school kid again, you know, texting like these, these damn millennials. I was texting. But then I said, it was so great meeting you. I cannot wait to see you again. Thanks so much, Vanessa. And he wrote me right back. He said, I needed to laugh like you just made me laugh today. Just be yourself because you're already laughing with this guy. You don't really have much work to do. Whew. Just show up and, and keep it for what it, if he says, just come over at 10 and we'll see where we go for eat or something like that. Just 
that's all it needs to be right then and there. And if it turns into something more, you text me right away. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we're going in the bedroom. What's your idea? <laughs> I'll say, put your camera on. Put Let me your see. webcam on. <laughs> Uh, we'll there see on go. second dates. I mean, I've been sluttier before, oh, so that's fine. not going to be that big a deal. Fine, fine. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy for you. Thank you. So for the first time since documenting Richard's love life, I met him in person before a date. He was wearing these gingham style blue shorts and this button-up LL Bean shirt, clean shaven. He looked like he was up for a casual day in his boat. You look nice. Thank you. I uh, laid everything out last night before I went to bed, just like first day of school. <laughs> but it felt good. You know, it's a little less than an hour until you meet him. Uh, what's, what's going on? It's excitement and nervous. I feel a spark of something. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's friendship. I don't know if it's romance. But I feel a spark. And I do feel that I've made it to a second date, which is like an accomplishment. It's like I am feeling like I can't wait to see this guy. I am really looking forward to sitting down and just discussing, having no agenda. There's zero that you know we need to talk about or that we're going to talk about. I have nothing prepared. And I am so happy about that. What a breath of fresh air. It was just so easy to talk about our partners in the 60s and meeting and trying to make ends meet and him going through the late 70s, early 80s as this city was going through shitty times. And I understood right where he was coming from. And it just all made sense to me. And then when he got onto his partner, uh, it made even more sense. I mean, he was with his partner for 34 years and he was a caregiver for like the last three or four years of the guy's life. Is there a fear at this age looking forward of starting over again? You know, I, there was one thing that I was holding on to that I wasn't going to mention. I have absolutely no belief in supernatural. I don't believe in signs. I just don't believe. Last night I had a Peter dream. <laughs> You see, you're affected by that dream. What, 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 what about it? It was like, it was only like five seconds long and it wasn't even profound. He wasn't saying anything. We were doing an odd job. We had to replace, we had to buy 20 bags of dirt at a nursery store. And there wasn't even much talking. It was like heave ho putting the stuff in the back of the car and saying, how are we going to get this tree in and laughing about that? And then I woke up. If I were to believe in signs, I really like that Peter visited me. <laughs> so the tears come from the joy and possibly the hope that maybe there will be a day that I do believe. That. <laughs> this may be an odd question, but what would he say to you going into this date? Go for it. I know what he'd say. I know. He's like, fucking just nail it. <laughs> you know, he said, good for you he'd be he'd be so delighted you look you have like a demeanor right now of like going to school <laughs> i am i'm like rubbing my palms and shaking my knees and saying you know i'm gearing myself up i am anxious to find out if this date's gonna 
start or end with the first kiss. Because <laughs> the first one ended with a very, really lovely prolonged hug. And Richard is such a boy. He asked if I wanted to spy on them. I mean, you could see if he comes down, if you want to do a spy. <laughs> uh, you get I'll, on your bike. I'll you get do, the report from you. That's I'll fine. You, you get on your bike. That. If you happen to go down Clark and see me ringing your doorbell, I won't look behind me. Good luck. Good luck. Thank you. I hope. Here we go. Have a great day. You too. I got on my bike, and I totally headed down to see Richard meet up with Joel. But I thought, nah, that's such a parent thing to do. That's not my role. He can give Joe a call later, regardless of how this all goes. Hi, Mark. It's Rich Cardillo calling you. I just had a few free moments, and I kind of wanted to thank you again for the last few months of letting me think out loud and look at how romance was fitting into my life and I'm with somebody who wanted to say hello to you Hi, too Mark. oh this is Joe <laughs> <laughs> that's Joe my boyfriend yeah this is Rich my boyfriend <laughs> and we're both so thankful and things have been going fantastically and we just wanted to let you know and until we talk again adios ciao ciao bye This episode was produced and hosted by me, Mark Pagan. Our lead producer is Caitlin May Burke, and our associate producers are Ben Goldberg and Rebecca Seidel, with support from IFP. Editing and engineering done by Rebecca, Ben, and myself. This episode had a ton of field recording done by Becca. She did awesome. Thank you, Becca. Our logo and illustrations are done by the incredible Iga Zhebek. Special thanks to Richard Cardillo, come on, and everybody in his life. You can subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, NPR One, and sign up for our newsletter at OtherMenNeedHelp.com, and you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, adios, ciao, ciao, bye. Hey, Mark, this is Joe, Richard's boyfriend. Um, and we spoke, we left a message earlier, but, but I just want to say it's really been like an almost a three month period. I've fallen in love again for probably the, not probably, but the second time in my life. So it's been really terrific. Anyway, I thought you would like to know that. And that's it. Bye.